Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And welcome to the Recovery Hour with Dr. Kirby Stewart. And of course, I'm Mark Myers. Um, I'm with Personal Responsibility Recovery. We bring you the Recovery Hour each Monday night. We've, we've been on a little bit of a, a hiatus for the holidays, and we're back now with our live shows and, of course, with Dr. Kirby Stewart. You know, uh, this show, if you're just now tuning into it or, or just now joining it, haven't heard of us, we want to talk about addiction. We want to talk about substance use problems. You know, it's become the leading cause of death in the 18 to 45-year-old and as Dr. Stewart says, that's that's probably just the tip of the iceberg is is what CDC says. But when you add in alcohol and the, the health issues and the fentanyl poisonings and you know, just all the tragedies that are happening surrounding substance use disorders, we've just got to do a better job. And that's why our we're, we're a very small treatment center, small private center. We're only 12 beds. But we want to tackle this conversation for the community. We want to be able to act as a resource. It's really hard to act when you're in crisis. And, you know, one in five Americans, uh, nearly 70 million are affected by addiction now, by substance use, directly or indirectly. And it's just becoming more and more overwhelming, and no one really wants to talk about it. We... You know, Dr. Stewart, we, we hear the people say there's a new commission for this and a new commission for that, and we try to get the education out. It, it's not a moral failing. It's not a, it's not a bad decision. Yeah. Substance use disorder is a disease. It's a, a DSM disease like any other disease. Yeah. It's got to be talked about. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I, I do think that it's, much better accepted now or much more uh, inclusively accepted as a disorder uh, or some people call it a disease, some people call it a disorder. The important thing is that uh, the if you suffer from the addiction, what we're calling the disease of addiction, uh, what you uh, have in common with other sufferers uh, is that you've lost the power of choice over uh, whether or not you ingest the substance that you're addicted to. And I, I emphasize over and over and over again the compulsive nature of the disorder because I think everyone in our culture can identify with compulsivity to some degree or another. Someone has, uh, you know, stayed up too late to watch a movie uh, because they just couldn't stand the idea of not watching the movie. And that's a compulsion. It is. It's, <laughs> it's a, a little, mild one. It's a little different than finishing the second bottle of tequila because you're going to. Right. So, but Yeah, the, but the each one has it. Compulsive, Absolutely. Yeah, compulsive behavior exists on a continuum. And, and on, on the bad end of the continuum, or the far end of the continuum is where you have all these deaths due to overdose where people are ingesting a drug that they know carries with it uh, risk and they cannot predict 
the exact extent of that risk, but they're going to ingest the drug even in the face of that risk. Now, we're arguing in favor of fentanyl testing strips because we believe that everybody deserves to have as much information about that risk as they can possibly access. But the point is, is that the compulsive behavior is not entirely governed by an assessment of risk. A, a lot of people are going to in, uh, ingest the substance even if they know and, it's risky. And, and I'm going to try and put that in, in a simpler terms. There's, there's a lot of yeah, initials after Dr. English, Kirby. There's please. a lot of initials <laughs> after Dr. Kirby's name. And, uh, you know, I'm in recovery. And what I know is that even I tell myself I'm not going to do this, I end up doing it because I'm an addict. I have a genetic disorder, a substance use disorder, uh, illness, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I, I liken it to, to asthma. If you don't treat it, it's going to get worse. And once you're at a certain level with addiction, that's when you have to really start opening eyes, starting to pay attention. And, uh, yeah. you know, we, we just want to First off, I, I didn't say at the beginning of the show, we're a call-in show, um, 512-836-0590. We use this time, and, and we're going to be coming up on a break here in a minute. It goes so fast. But Dr. Stewart and I use this time to talk about some general topics, but also encourage the community to call in with questions, because if one in five people are affected by substance use disorder and the disease of addiction, then there's a whole lot of people hearing this show right now that are affected directly or indirectly by this. And um, after the break, we're going to throw out some some questions, uh, kind of some assessment stuff. We don't do that very often. We're normally focused on different topics about addiction, but we want to see if you hear anything that rings true I've had a a long, long week this week dealing with some folks that didn't have to go down the path they did before seeking help. And I know that's always frustrating for myself, and and Dr. Stewart, I'm sure it is for you. We see people come in so beaten up that, you know, had you acted even three months ago, your life would be so different than what finally brings you to that bottom, what— what brings you to raise your hand and say, I need help? Because if you're affected by this disease, I, my experience has been, I hope Dr. Stewart agrees, at some point you're going to raise your hand and say, I need help, or you're going to overdose and die. Those are kind of the two options. Yeah. The, one thing that's uh, inescapable about the nature of the disorder is that it's progressive. And uh, although... Uh, the severity of it varies dramatically from one individual to another. In any given individual, it doesn't get better on its own. Right. Now, lots of conditions do get better on their own, and, and time is a great healer for sure. But I do like your uh, analogy or, or comparison to asthma uh, for more than one reason. And one is that it doesn't get better on its own. And there are a number of factors that make it worse that we can do something about and we ought to be doing something about them. And in the world of addiction treatment, 
those factors oftentimes are referred to as harm reduction. There's a lot of things we can do to to diminish harm caused by addictive behavior. And one of the things we want to talk about later in the show is is where and when is harm reduction appropriate. Well, and, you know, of course, for me, abstinence is what has worked in my life. Um, there is a whole bunch of, I'm trying to choose my words here, the treatment of addiction does have a lot of different uh, facets to it, but it can't be ignored. Something has to be done because it is a fatal progressive disease. Uh, We're going to come back again, 512-836-0590. Please call in if you want to join our conversation, and we'll be back after after a quick break. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Monday at 6 p.m. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. Welcome back to the Recovery Hour. And, and again, I am Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. And of course, Dr. Kirby Stewart, our host. Um, you know, we were, we were talking beforehand about. Uh, just how expansive this disease is, how, how it affects 70 million Americans, how no one really wants to talk about it, and, and how the fact that it is a fatal and progressive disease all too often. The CDC tells us that we lost, a, I think it, the number was 123,000 folks to fentanyl poisoning and substance use last year. And, you know, it's like 9-11 happening every eight days. And that's a really powerful statement for me because we, we shut a country down. We, we grounded all of the planes. We, we, I mean, we went to war as a country. Um, but we lose that many people in fentanyl poisoning, and we don't take big action. Um, not only do we not take big action, we want to associate it with shame and moral failing and, ooh, don't talk about that and, you know, it's like families want to keep it within the family, and there's just so much tied to it. And, and that's what I mean when I say we have to do better as a society, and we have to do better as treatment centers. We have to do better as an industry. We have to get a message out that this is, like any mental health, um, any mental health issue, there is solutions for this. There is treatment. Now, a lot of treatment is based in insurance-driven, corporate-driven, check-off-the-box, and uh, maybe it's not the best treatment out there. And then a lot of it is kind of more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More, more custom, more, more no, no two addicts are exactly the same. In yeah, more individualized. More individualized. Uh, find out what's going on. It's I think it's been said, and I'm not sure who said it, this is the only disease you can talk your way out of. But you don't really talk <laughs> yeah. your way out of it. You, it's easy to deny. It's easy, easy to, to deny. deny. It, it is. And, and you, have to, uh, you, know, you have to accept some truths about the disease of addiction. And uh, if you are affected by that or have a loved one affected by it, it's not going to get better by not talking about it. It's not going to get better by saying, oh, you got this. Um, it's not going to be better by, you know, I'm only going to drink every three days, and then I'm going to do this. and then I'm gonna... That stuff doesn't work. 
that's my experience. Yeah. Well, you know, as I was reflecting upon uh, your appeal that we do better uh, as a, as a society, I couldn't agree more uh, yet, you know, to be fair, the, the federal government has uh, set aside a lot of money uh, to address the opioid epidemic. And they have. That money has been distributed in controversial ways. Some people uh, agree with it, some people don't. But the, what, what we're maintaining on, on our show here is that we would like to see a, a broad movement from within society, from the bottom up, so to speak, to improve care and to improve uh, options for recovery in individuals, what we like to call recovery initiation in individuals. Uh, we can't sit on our hands and wait for the federal government or even state government to uh, change the crisis. I, I appreciate any governmental support we can get, but at the same time, uh, I, I hear you, Mark, when you're making an appeal to the populace to uh, come out of the closet, so to speak, and, and destigmatize conversations about addiction and rally around those who are stepping up to say that they do need help and, and promoting their recovery. Because the truth of the matter is, if you just look at the data that we have as, as factual uh, uh, m- most people recovery uh, is accessible without treatment. Most people get better without uh, residential treatment. A lot of people get better as a result of outpatient treatment, uh, but nobody gets better hiding in the dark, using in the corner where nobody can see them, and and continuing to suffer in their disease. Those people who do get better without treatment almost always find social support. They get, they get better as a result of engagement with the 12-step program, for example, Absolutely. or more recovery, mindfulness-oriented recovery, uh, other programs. Uh, I noticed that, that the local Buddhist uh, organization here in Austin has a, has a re- little recovery room for people who suffer from addiction and and so yeah, that that's the what we're advocating on, on the recovery hour is we're advocating a broad societal support for the notion of recovery, and 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 to face addiction uh, in order to facilitate uh, recovery. The reason we talk about addiction is to bring recovery to the fore, uh, to be able to talk about the solution, uh, which is long-term recovery and. Uh, a lot of people do, however, require residential treatment and sometimes extensive residential treatment, and that should be made available to them. And that uh, just depends on where you are in, in your journey, I guess, is, uh, you know, caught early. Uh, I, I, I make this reference on the show often. And again, if you want to contact us today, is, is 512-836-0590. Um, always encourage folks to use us as a resource. So like Dr. Kirby said, Dr. Stewart, um, you, you may not need residential treatment at this time, and we are plugged in to great IOPs or intensive outpatients, uh, 
you know, Atomic Souls is a is a great great program. There's recovery coaching. There's communities for recovery. There's Blue Bonnet uh, Mental Health. There's there's so many different sources out there. But uh, I I refer to addiction sometimes, and and you know, I look at it almost as as cancer. If you have stage one cancer, you're going to do something. You're gonna kick in the door of an oncologist and scream, fix me. With stage one addiction, you're going to say, oh, it's not that bad. I don't have that. I can control this. And you're in the denial of it. Mm -hmm. And when you seek help in those early stages, it can be tackled pretty, pretty quickly. And there's a lot of ways to do that. The the tricky thing about it is, though, and I'm sure there are a lot of people in our listening audience right now that have this uh, personal experience, and that is that when you're in stage one addiction, by analogy, if I follow you correctly, the addiction still kind of looks like a solution a- in stage one. It does. <laughs> it, it looks like a good better. idea. <laughs> it looks like, you know, I mean, my own personal experience was that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, some alcohol made it a lot easier for me to talk to uh you know, the woman on the other side of the room that I was attracted to but would never never otherwise approach. Uh, or dance better. Or it made me dance old, better, old at joke, least in of my course, mind. But yes, yeah, exactly. absolutely. So, yeah, in, the, in stage one addiction, addiction still looks like a good idea or, or a solution, and we still think that we have choice in the matter. And uh, it... it, it, it gradually over time uh, becomes a disorder of choice. I I say this over and over again because people eventually lose the power of choice. Now, if you've gotten to a point where you have lost the power of choice, that is to say that you are so compulsive uh, about pursuing the object of your addiction, then you probably are going to need residential treatment. You you probably need to have it taken out of your hands. There's a tipping point. Uh, yeah, but the 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 issue of how uh, much support you need or an individual needs in in their recovery initiation effort is a function of where they land on the disease severity scale. And uh, you, I know you have a bunch of questions there, Mark, that help people discern how severe their problem may actually be. Um, Ironically, as the disease or the condition of the disorder worsens over time, the denial of its effect on your life tends to deepen. So the worse the disorder becomes, the more in denial you are about the nature of the worsening of the disorder. And so it gets to be a a real vicious cycle. It's a catch-22. It is. Quintessential example of a catch-22. And the only way out of it is to holler help. Raise your hand and say help. Reach out and and help. uh, Because the way out of addiction is connection. It is. And so, you know, yeah. and, and so many times that help comes when you're just in crisis and a panic and, and, you know, it can be hospitalization or legal issues or, you know, another DWI. And, you know, and then you then you hop on the Internet and you look for the biggest ad, the first thing that Google shows, the sponsored ads. And 
you know, that just means that's not the best treatment. It's the guy with the biggest ad budget. And yeah, no, may they, or they, may not be the best solution. So we always say have a plan. And, uh, you know, if there's a, a tiny, even even the inkling of identification here, have a plan. There's always that moment of clarity that you think, you know, maybe, maybe this makes sense. And uh, that's what our show is for. That's what we, that's what we want to, that's what we want to bring to the surface. Um, we're already coming up on our second break here and that's a, that's a hard break for the news. But again, after the, after the break here, uh, join us 512-836-0590. And, uh, I think Dr. Kirby, let's, let's, or Dr. Stewart, I call him Dr. Kirby because I'm with him all the time. Dr. Stewart you is know, the lo- actual. A lot of folks call me Dr. Kirby. Or and, Doc. And yeah. Doc and Kirby. And, and, and I, you know, I went by Doc before I ever went to school. There that's you go. It's always been a nickname of mine. And we're going to be right back after the news. Thank uh, you. You bet. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Monday at 6 p.m. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And we're back at the Recovery Hour. And if you're just joining us, uh, of course, I'm Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. We're a small, private, 12 bed treatment program for substance use disorders. And we're actually out in the Burnett area, kind of the beginning of the hill country on a really beautiful 121 acre ranch. The show's not all about us, but. if you do have the need for residential treatment or need someone to talk to about that, we're a great resource. PersonalResponsibilityRecovery.com. Uh, go to the website, hit the Contact Us page, and uh, you know, type in a question. We, we have a lot of folks that do that after the show. There's, I guess, not, uh, not a public forum as much when you want to uh, talk about everything going wrong in your life and how you can't get things going and all of that. I get it. You don't necessarily want to be on the radio, but don't let that prevent you from using the resource, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. A lot of our uh, most uh, committed listeners are people who are already in recovery and they, it does <laughs> we try <getting> to address <laughs> we try to address our comments at probably obvious but we try to address our comments to friends and family of people who are suffering from addiction but are probably still in denial about the nature of their disorder uh, because we want to encourage friends and family to get those people involved in getting the help that they need. And then also we're addressing y'all out there who probably have a bigger problem than you realize, and we want to call your attention to that and to destigmatize consideration about it so that you don't feel ashamed but you can seriously review your own circumstance and be honest with yourself about that circumstance and get the help uh, that you deserve. And by the way, recovery is a great way of life. It's not like when I love it. (laughs) My favorite people in the whole world are people who are in recovery because they've been there, done that, you know, they've, they've, they've seen the, how bad things can get, and they've they've opted for a different life. There's a a certain inner peace, for lack of a better word. I don't want to get 
I don't want everybody to know how how you know old hippie out there I truly am, but but I I will say that the the life that I lead today is beyond parallel with the inner peace and and having gone through the battle of addiction myself and. Uh, you know, there's only one real promise offered, and that's freedom from active addiction, and that does happen. It uh, it, it sure comes in too. a place that that you you have a just a, again a, a life beyond your wildest dreams, but it starts somewhere. And you know, Doctor Stewart, and and we say Doctor Stewart. I I feel like I should say retired Doctor Stewart. <laughs> well, you know, Mark, I and I sh- I need to own that. I, I yeah, I'm. I've been Dr. Stewart for most of my life, uh, but the truth is I am retired. I'm a retired medical doctor, and I'm, I'm not licensed to practice medicine. I do not practice medicine right now, so if any person in the listening audience wants to reach out for me or reach out to me for medical services, that's not appropriate. I will refer you elsewhere. However, I, I am a graduate of a medical school, and I'm a, a medical doctor in retirement, and I'm And you're glad our spiritual be, director, I'm, which is exactly, probably I'm more fun. Director. I don't know. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> you know, when, even when I was in primary care medicine practicing, uh, much of my work was having conversations with people about healing and about how to bring about healing uh, into their life. And I'm still doing that as a spiritual director uh, because uh, almost all uh, illness and disability has a spiritual component to it. It does. Yeah. Especially addiction. Especially addiction because addiction robs us of our dignity, whether we want it to or not. And I think that's part of the problem when we run up against the stigma uh, is that when you engage in addictive behavior uh, to your own detriment, you, you know you're hurting yourself. And, and others. And you do it again and again, and, and, and you cannot continue to do that without losing some of your personal uh, dignity and, and self-respect. And as, as hard as that is to admit, it, it's the truth. That's a tough truth. Tough and, truth. And it becomes then the dishonesty with people that we love and the dishonesty with employers and, you know, then the manipulation and then the justification and then the denial and then the anger. It just it just mushrooms. Yeah. And the way we think we need to combat that is to continue to medicate those feelings with with substances. And yeah. It's just such a vicious cycle until you raise your hand and say, I've had enough. Yeah. And that's what we encourage people to do is there is no shame in that raising. There's no shame in any of it. it it's not ideal, but, you know, we've, we've got to get to where we get. And, uh, you know, again, if you, if you want to join us, 512-836-0590. And, you know, we've got a, a few minutes here before our next break. And, and these are some things just to consider there's kind of a, a little bit, I don't want to call it an assessment, but it's, it's part of the literature of one of the 12-step programs. And there's just, if you answer these questions, yes, one or two of them doesn't mean anything. But if you're answering every other one, yes, that's probably a pretty good indicator that you need some help. 
I probably answered 28 out of 25 or 28 out of 30 yes before I came in. But, you know, do you ever drink alone to the point of becoming intoxicated or use to the point of becoming just zoned out? That It's not for courage. It's not for I'm the life of the party. It's not so I can dance. It's it's just you're by yourself and you're so uncomfortable with yourself, you turn everything off with chemicals. That's a big one. That's yeah, a really you, big one. If you're self-medicating to that extent, it's almost certain that uh, you've developed an addiction. Yeah. If you're doing that day after day with no one around, because that is so isolating, which is the other thing we talk about, the the isolation that... Uh, you know, you lose the human connection. You you lose the spiritual connection. You you. It's just you and the substance, and that is uh, that's a really lonely spot to get. And I don't think that people think about that enough. Everybody jokes about, oh, I don't drink alone, but there really is a reason that that's that's talked about as being a big flag is to be able yeah. to not sit with yourself. That's a that's a big flag yeah. and. You know, the other one is, is have you substituted one drug for another thinking one drug is a particular problem? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore because THC does it for me or gummies or pot. And then the pots, well, I'm too lethargic, so I'm just going to drink whiskey on every other day. And, you know, we, we get into this bargaining yeah. with ourselves. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't even... Uh, mind so much what the behavior is if you're bargaining with yourself bingo bingo you yeah. know it, it's like oh okay well, i'm not gonna drink whiskey anymore i'm just gonna drink beer that's a quintessential example of uh, alcoholism or, or every other day or only on the weekends yeah. all of these things that we tell ourselves that just is not you know and and boy this is a big one too and and you know, have you ever manipulated or lied to a doctor to obtain prescription drugs? That's the one people don't think about mm -hmm. as necessarily being a drug addict because you're getting it from the doctor. But if you go to one doctor for one prescription and you've got another doctor for another prescription and another doctor for another prescription and you start lying to all of them for mm -hmm. them, that's a big, big, big flag. Sure. Yeah. And and, and but oh, you can say, oh well, I, my doctor prescribed it. Well, right. <laughs> you might have had a little bit to do with that. <laughs> well, you know, that's how the opioid epidemic got started in the nineties. It is. Doctors started prescribing opioids for chronic pain, and uh, you know, we all know how the OxyContin story got uh, underway when the drug manufacturers started claiming that. Uh, new formulations of the drug weren't addictive and or that, quote, if the patient has real pain, unquote, then the drug won't be as addictive or won't be addictive. Whereas if the patient doesn't have pain and they're just trying to get this drug, then that's the addict. That's the person that you have to focus on. How did that work out? Yeah, well, exactly. that got us. <laughs> Since 1999, we've had 1.28 million deaths. 1.2 million since 1999. That is insane. 
We're uh, coming up on another break here in about 10 seconds, Dr. Stewart. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to turn it back over here to Tiger to do all the stuff Tiger does back there. We appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back here, 512-836-0590. Providing professional opinions, resources, and guidance for addiction treatment every Monday from 6 to 7 p.m. The Recovery Hour with Mark Myers. And with Mark Myers and, of course, Dr. Kirby Stewart, um, you know, if you're just joining us, you're kind of catching the tail end of the show. That's fine. But, uh, you know, we're personal responsibility recovery and News Radio 590 also makes this possible for us each week. Um, you know, we, we want to talk about addiction. We want to talk about substance use disorders. We want to talk about treatment for those things. Leading cause of death between 18 and 45 years old today is substance use disorders and you know, we got to do better. There are so many treatment centers. It's become a billion-dollar industry with an 80% failure rate. That doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. If, uh, if it, any it, other industry, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if my cardiothoracic surgeon said, well, we're going to do a bypass, but you only got a 20% chance of making it, I would be really angry. And... Uh, well, that's, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. That's a, the business model for the treatment of addiction leads a lot to be desired. And we, we could have several episodes of this show discussing it, but we at least let <laughs> you could, you could uh, infer what we believe to be an alternative model by looking at what we actually do, where we have a 12 bed facility with six staff members of four of them carrying advanced degrees and you know that that's even when we're completely full I we have a two to one six client staff ratio degrees four mds two <laughs> master levels you know and and we don't say that to brag but i think that's what it requires that's what it takes no addiction treatment is labor and time intensive it is and you cannot treat 60 clients with five staff members i'm Seeing sorry them once every week once yeah, every no, two weeks it doesn't and, work that's why we have an 80 percent failure rate well that's why the industry has an 80 percent yeah we don't right. we're we're i'm not going to brag on those numbers because the show's not all about us but I will say we're a far cry better than that because it is individualized. It is seeing a counselor three times a week in group, three times a week individual. Dr. Kirby, you 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 two see two hours a day, doing two hours a day, work, every single every day. single day. Chris Gates joins us with yeah. uh, you know the twelve step yeah. work and and the mechanics of spirituality, and of course, Dr. William Loving is is our medical director, and you know, sadly, we haven't touched on it today, but. So much of substance use disorder is brought on by co-occurring that is either misdiagnosed or not diagnosed, depression. Co-occurring mental illness, absolutely. absolutely. Especially mood disorders and anxiety disorders rampant throughout addiction, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, One of my favorite quotes from the show was when we had Sheriff Gleason on here from Williamson County. And he said, I have no problem housing the homeless. I'm a compassionate guy. I'm paraphrasing. But mm-hmm. he said, I want to know why they're homeless before we do. Right. And it's, it's a big part of it. It's not all these folks just bad circumstance. There's mental illness mm-hmm. going on. There's co-occurring disorders going on. There's addiction going on 
Uh, homeless camps probably test 80% positive for methamphetamine use. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just such an epidemic that has to be addressed. And I don't know how we spun off onto that topic all of a sudden. But, well, uh, I, I, I jumped in because I, I get fed up with the failure rates of addiction treatment centers and how much money too. is being spent. Uh, that doesn't provide the results that uh, are possible. The results that are possible. The results that are possible because it's possible to switch those numbers around and have a 20% failure rate instead of an 80% failure rate. Uh, But in order to do so, you have to invest heavily in labor intensive. Yep. And, and, you know, the curriculum that is uh, put out there by, by, and, we're not the only treatment center that's really successful. There are other small, focused, really great treatment centers out there. And, uh, you know, use us as a, again, we're, we're not going to be the treatment center for everybody. And the only reason I keep saying treatment centers is because the folks who get way down there, who, who an IOP, the intensive outpatient, or sitting down with a great counselor, there's people who are going to need more help than that. And those are the ones that we kind of put this show out for. PersonalResponsibilityRecovery.com. The Contact Us page. You know, we're, we're there. We can, we can answer the questions. We can steer you in the right direction. But, you know, our friend Patrick Hensley and Chris Gates both have a plan. Have a plan. Because yeah, if you're, if and you're lying you say- to yourself and lying to others and using by yourself and all it's not going to go away. So even if you're not ready right now, have a plan. And if you're a family member of someone who's struggling, even though they may be in denial of that struggle, you need to have a plan. Absolutely. You, you know, cause they may wake up in the middle of the night one night and say, help. And then and when enough. that happens, you got to be ready to go. And you don't want to be Googling as you've often said, Mark, at that point in time, no, it's too late because you're going to end up with the place with the most dolphins or the horses that talk back to you or whatever. And you're not <laughs> going to necessarily get. And I don't mean to discount dolphins and horses, but yeah, it, they're cool. it's not about palm trees and, and sandy beaches. It, no, it's real, about real addiction treatment about, no, is talking yeah. and counseling and advanced, no. advanced counselors and advanced therapists and medical treatment. And it, uh, you know, the good news is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It, it, addiction can be put in remission. It can be where, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years into this. I don't struggle with using actively thinking about or struggling with or, or you know, can't, can't wait to find more. I don't, that doesn't cross my mind today. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're free. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, and that's the whole point of recovery is to that's become what recovery free. looks like and, and joy and, and uh, freedom and joy are, are, are birthright and we, they we are. deserve them. And, but we need to position ourselves. Uh, otherwise they pass us by. Uh, Addiction can be just such a, a, a brutal disease and, you know, again, we, we talk about it, and we're already running out of time. I, I sometimes think we would want a two-hour show, but I'm not sure I could stay focused on that that long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I try. But, you know, the reality with the disease of addiction is, is once the denial is broken through, 
and the defeat and surrender, not defeat, surrender. And I, I had surrender explained to me one time by a friend of mine who is a lieutenant colonel, a man that I respect quite a lot, John Mark Davis, Lieutenant Colonel John Mark Davis. He said, the definition of surrender is you can't win. It's not that you're giving up. It's not that you're afraid. It's not that you're cowardly. There's no shame mm-hmm, in it. Mm-hmm. It is a term that says, I can't win. It's reality-based perception. I can't win. Yeah. And for me, I came to that point in my addiction. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to overcome it. I'm never going to win it. It's going to kill me. And I got to do something different. And and that was kind of my moment of clarity. That was the, okay, I got to do something. Now, I was at a point where I had that moment of clarity in handcuffs being marched into yeah, solitary, yeah. but that's what it took for me. And uh, I guess our show is here to say that, that it doesn't have to take that for you. We're, we're down to just a, a minute or so left in the show. And, you know, again, I'm going to encourage folks to contact us, you know, personal responsibility recovery.com reach out. And if you have questions for Dr. Stewart, for myself, our clinical director, Susan Turner is absolutely amazing William loving all of these folks that the names that we that we that's our that's our resources we are able to put all these minds together and try and help you make some decisions or give some guidance because that's invaluable when you're in crisis you've got to be able to have some help make those decisions because mm-hmm. You don't know how to do it on your own. The connection with other people. Yeah, and and you don't need to wait until your life is utterly miserable, or you 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 might not even have to wait until you're ready for that surrender, where you're saying I can't win. You might still be thinking that maybe you can win, but you might want some help. Maybe consult with some professionals. I mean, we just we just uh, discharged a, a gentleman who who uh, still thought he probably could lick this thing, but he decided he needed some help, and so he came in, thirty days, and now he's well and happy and clean and sober, and he's glad to have gotten the help. The and a lot of people wouldn't best. have even thought he would yeah. need treatment, it's the but way he to benefited enormously life. from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Stewart, we're coming up on the end of a show again. Folks, we'll be back here next Monday. Uh, PersonalResponsibilityRecovery.com. Please use us as a resource. See you next week.